Welcome to Mezzanine Magic with Mads and Mags. I'm Madeline. And I'm Maggie. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Today we're talking about all types of things, <laughs> namely typecasting and how it manifests in the Broadway world. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, typecasting is when a certain actor will fall into a category where they will, they will play these characters that are very, very similar over and over again successfully. So it's not a bad thing to be a typecast. It's pretty good actually to know your type. So then you can go for roles that you'll land. Um, every now and then you'll get an actor who's kind of chameleon where they can do whatever they want. But more often than not, you'll land in a category. And that's what we want to talk about today. Yes. Okay, Maggie, who is first on your list? of actors who are repeatedly typecast. So the first one I want to talk about, because I think she's a great example of a typecast, is Laura Osnes. For those of you who know her from Bonnie and Clyde, Cinderella, Anything Goes, Bandstand. She's a great actress. Um, but all those yeah. roles are very similar. They're very similar. She's very much the very sweet, kind, leading lady. Um, Doe-eyed, yeah, not like let astray, or basically the doe-eyed ingenue who overcomes problems. Yes, yeah, she's basically she's the most basic character. That sounds so mean to say, but she and plays. I like her, so it's fine. Yes. Yeah. Oh, like Sandy in Greece. That's who she was also. Yeah. She's a very innocent, sweet character who's who's lovable, but not a lot of substance all the time. <laughs> Yeah, but she makes it work. I think another example could be, more popular example could be Hugh Jackman. I think he plays very strong, bold characters. I don't know. What do you think? I do think it's funny because he played P.T. Barnum, and then he also, before the pandemic, was going to play, oh shoot, what's what's the character's name? A music name. Harold Hill. I was like, oh my goodness, I should know this one. <laughs> I do, I promise. Um, he, he was set to play Harold Hill on Broadway with Sutton Foster, another podcast we'll get into in a moment. Um, and those are incredibly similar. And I think it's a manifestation of his personality in real life. Just that kind of like genial, big kind of, I feel the word kind of, but, um, just a dorkable, ambitious man who lets his ambition run away from him. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and then I think we also run into like Josh Gad and also James Corden, who play these very goofy characters more often than not. Mainly yeah. Josh Gad. He did Book of Mormon. He did Rosen. Where they're just he's just funny and he's the fun sidekick character, and you're here for it. Yeah. James Corden has kind of moved into leading man roles, which I don't necessarily understand because I think he would do better as a side character. Yeah. I think it's also a commentary on how people get typecast according to their body type, which Mm -hmm. is unfortunate because, I don't know, just because somebody is heavier and can be funny doesn't mean that that's the only thing they are. Yeah, that's true. And I just think it's interesting because usually they don't think that people want to see a chubby person as like a love interest or a main character. 
And because those actors are really good at comedy, because even when somebody's typecast, it doesn't mean that they're bad at it. They just continually get to play the same thing. Um, so I think it's interesting to look at how body type plays a factor in casting, fortunately or unfortunately, however you view it. True. There is also another level of typecasting, which is basically called like the legend status, where you've just played Ooh. these characters and everyone's just like, you are the character. Like I think of Patti Lapone, she will always play powerful women. So yes. when you go to see a show, you're not coming to see the character, you're coming to see Patti Lapone. Like when you reach that point, the typecast is just you. Yes, it's like Meryl Streep. Like if mm-hmm. Meryl Streep was in a show, it wouldn't matter who she was playing. It would just be important because it was Meryl Streep. Yeah, that's a huge factor. Like with the prom, you're like, oh yeah, it's Meryl Streep. So it'll be, it'll be good. She's going to do a right. good job no matter what. Right, and it's interesting because Meryl Streep is so dynamic. And the legend status, they can play so many different roles. But for some reason, they still fall into like a typecast because they're cast because of who they are and what innate traits they bring to the table, which I mean, I guess is technically how everyone is cast. But especially for that star power. Oof. Oof. Yeah. I was always trying to think of people to typecast. I wrote down Bernadette Peters and then I was like, she doesn't have a typecast. Bernadette Peters plays all kinds of characters. Yeah. But she's just, you know, I think she's also a legend status where she's her, but she did Sunday in the Park with George and then Into the Woods and then, like, she does everything. She did Hello Dolly and, and those did, characters did she are do not. Gypsy? She did Gypsy too. Okay. Yeah. And those characters are not alike at all. But it's all Bernadette. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that also speaks to the level of what we internalize. Because we come to associate those roles with those specific actors because they were so amazing in them that then it's like, oh, this this type of amazing is this person. And so it seems like all the roles have this huge thing in common when it's just that, that the same actor played them. True. But, um, ooh, okay. Another typecast, which could qualify as legend category, but... Sutton Foster gets cast in any role that tap dances. If they tap moves, they're like Sutton Foster. Would you like to be paid a million dollars? I don't know how much she gets paid. I'm assuming more than a million dollars. But probably. It's beautiful. And she's a wonderful tap dancer. But it's so it's, funny. It's so funny because I was thinking if you're doing a revival of a show, like with the Music Man, they could have had so many actresses, but I think they were like, hmm, there's a tap number? We can get Sutton Foster to do that. Yeah, she'd be great. Yes. Like, she doesn't normally play these super high soprano roles, but she tap dances, so it, like, it could work. It I can hear work. them saying that. That is true. Oh, it's going to be so interesting. Right. I'm a little bit nervous. I know she, she'll be fine, but that role is high. And I just so I didn't even think about that. That is so high. Oh, I'm so excited. Because whenever everything reopens, I'm going. Like, how how do you not go to see Sutton Foster? You just need to know. Because my sister and I were already going to be in New York. So we were like, and then we almost bought tickets, but then we didn't. And then the world fell apart. How long do you think it's going to take someone to write 
like a legitimate Broadway musical about the Broadway shutdown and COVID? Oh, I hope nothing. I hope nothing <laughs> at all. I hope we don't get anything. Ah. Speaking of typecast, not really. It's not a typecast thing. It's just a thing that lots of actors did for like three months. Every single actor made a post in a mask or a face shield. It's like, this is what filming in 2020 looks like, or this is what working on a project in 2020 looks like. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're all like, this is what living in 2020 looks like. Glad you're feeling original, but. I was like, I'm glad that you feel like you're a part of something. We're all there. We got you. And that just bugged me for some reason. It was like a dumb thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I see one more phone. No, totally. It's like you could be in the grocery store and I'd be like, yeah, same. Like, you're not special just because you're working on a movie. Wearing a mask. special. We're all wearing masks. (laughs) I love it. Oh, a okay. typecast I want to talk about because I think it is so funny because it gets, sometimes you just get a really oddly specific typecast. And I think Andrew Rannells fell into that. Uh, 2011, <laughs> he did Book of Mormon where he played Elder Price, who's like very, don't get me wrong, but like the character is gay. Yeah. I'm 99% sure. And yeah. it's, you know, he's a missionary. And then you get Andrew Rannells in the prom where the character Trent is very gay, and then he also sings about the Bible, which I was like, the gay guy who teaches religious ideas, like, yeah, sings about religious pieces, you know, like, religious texts. No, I know what you mean, like, (laughs) religious things, gay, like, very potentially written to appear as, like, a very gay man singing about religious things. Is really a really funny. Um, what are the chances you would get that twice in your career? Like, right? That doesn't happen very often. You know what's funny is the guy that originally played James Corden's role in the prom on Broadway. He's the guy that voiced the um, Puritan dad in voiced I say voiced he played it I've just only he ever heard the it. album that's what we do you're good but um he played the Puritan dad in something rotten and um, guy singing it. about it was just I so I guess it's starting to come together I love it yes yeah. <laughs> Ooh, but my next favorite typecast which cracked me up is the Lin-Manuel Miranda typecast he did not let anyone create for him. He said, I will typecast myself as the lead and they will deal with it. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know what I just thought? I was like, who else could fall into that category? Stanley popped into my brain. He's just like, I'm going to cast myself in every movie. It's going to be great. Did you see all that stuff? People figuring out that Stanley makes a cameo in Princess Diaries too? Yes. Oh, do you think Julie Andrews counts as a typecast? Kind of. I mean, she's very much a leading leading lady type. I feel like she's more legend kind of thing. Yeah. Because Thoroughly Modern Millie was a little bit more goofy. Princess Diaries is a little bit more goofy. 
but then again she's done so much in her career too where she went from like the young female lead to being a side character who steals the show don't get me wrong right but Ooh, question if not knowing julia andrews played both of them would you say mary poppins the character of mary poppins and the character of maria had anything in common other than the fact that they were caring for children i'm now realizing (laughs) um the love of music (laughs) not understanding if they have feelings for a man or not uh not really having a home (laughs) (laughs) you know what else Mary Poppins growing up. Another funny side story from my childhood. You know that song that the mom sings? Like, um, she's talking about Sister Suffragette. Well done, Sister Suffragette. I remember being little and being so confused. I thought Suffragette was someone's name. Because, like, at church, I was like, Sister Blah, Blah, Blah. And so I was like, Who's Sister Suffragette? Like, what, what's happening? And then I think I was like 14 before I realized <laughs> what was going on. I love that. Okay, next typecast. Who's next oh, on our list? Typecast. Um, I put Kelly O'Hara, the revival woman. Ooh. Because she's done, like, she, in 2005, she had Light in the Piazza. 2014, she did Bridges in Madison County. And those were originals. Good for her. You know, she got Tony nominations. But she also got Tony nominations for South Pacific, The Pajama Game, um, Kiss Me Kate. The King and I. And at some point you have to be like, oh, those are like all oh, musicals. Most of those were Rogers and Hammerstein. Like oh. she did those four. She's very much Yeah. She falls in yeah, you wouldn't bring her out for a modern musical, but you would bring no. her out for an old She very much has like a classical operatic style. Can you imagine mm-hmm. her like playing the mom in Dear Evan Hansen or something? <laughs> That'd be so bad. Oh, Kelly. Yeah, no, she has a, her style is very specific. So you have to put her in the older shows, which is awesome. It just is. But it was hard to her because those shows anything. are becoming. Yeah, true. shows are becoming less relevant, though. Less so popular. Hard to put her in something. Yeah. Well, that's okay. She got a Tony. I think she's doing okay. Right. Ooh, okay. Funny. It's so funny because honestly, if you're looking at a lot of literature or plays or whatever, there are so many typecasts or types of characters um, that you can put everyone into like one of four or something. And I think Tarek Klena, Jeremy Jordan, and Corey Cott, ooh, and probably Aaron DeVate, routinely get cast in this, like, meaty and slightly damaged heroic male figure. We have new young man, too. They always have yeah. to be the young guy. Yeah. So we have some newsies for Jeremy Jordan and Corey Cott. Yeah. And you have Dogfight and Anastasia. For Derek Klena and and Sam Sand, and then also kind of Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, like all these damaged 
young men who find women or things to help heal them, quote unquote, or not, or make it worse. Which um, is Bonnie Clyde. Because then Jeremy Jordan went and did Finding Neverland for when they're first like out of town tryouts, previews, all yeah. that in their workshops. He was the lead, which the character is kind of, that basically is a character. He's like wanting <laughs> to find inspiration. Then I was going to say, but it's an older man. So a little bit out of the typecast. And Jeremy yeah. Jordan got fired, and they brought in Matthew Morrison instead. Oh, regret. That was a mistake. Regret. That brings us to our next one. Matthew Morrison is Who very excited to hate, which I think is so funny. <laughs> I'm sure he's a nice person, but the characters he's played and his acting has made everyone Crazy. not a fan. Oh, um, sorry. My fridge just decided to be loud. Hopefully you can't hear that's it. That's okay. I can't hear it, but that's okay. Okay. Um. Oh, okay. So Matthew Morrison plays Mr. Sue in Glee, who is a creepy teacher who makes bad decisions. And but he's, he's the, the protagonist, which you kind of expect yeah. better stuff from the protagonist. He's a shady man with questionable decisions. And what I think is so funny is that nobody who was like a teenager or like my case, like a little kid watching that show thought that he was doing anything wrong it was always like yeah how dare these people like try to inhibit their artistic practice blah 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 and then everyone's looking back and they're like that was really bad like i think the biggest takeaway from glee from this year was realizing that everyone in that show is basically at fault like watching it you're like oh everyone is so messed up in this show like some of them have better intentions than others but Really flawed characters. But so bad. The Ryan Murphy way. Yeah, it is. I remember we were talking about a couple of his shows and how he just makes all of his characters so wildly unrelatable. Because he just puts them in these crazy situations. You're like, I can't identify with you. And I don't really want to. True. Link and Hairspray, that's kind of an oddball. Because, I mean, it is like the leading man, I think. He originated that role. Oh, that's true. I forgot that he played it. But that is such a weird role, too. Couldn't relate. No. Ooh, okay, Maggie. Have you had any instances of being typecast? Yes. It was actually fun. For an acting class, they did. We had to go around and ask people who, like what they thought our typecast was, like based off of our personality, which is really mm-hmm. fun. Cause he's like, you need to figure out what your typecast is so then you can figure out which roles you're best suited for, which makes sense. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go play these dark, creepy characters because I would suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> something to work on, but no one would believe me. Um, and so what I landed on was like a quirky best friend that was what people told me was what I was and I was like okay (laughs) if it's any consolation at all I'm your quirky best friend (laughs) true I'm your quirky best friend we make it work we do make it work but then we also we also have room for leading ladies I think both of us do I think so I think okay our drama teacher in high school. Love her. Went 
yes, love her. I don't think she loved me for the first few years. (laughs) Um, She wouldn't cast me or she'd cast me in these super frilly, like jiggly, annoying girl roles. Um, And then my senior year, I was like, no, I'm going to be different. And I... (laughs) One of my first monologues I did was, like, about a guy breaking up with me. And if I must say, I did indeed kill it. But then, you for did. the rest of the year, anything she cast me in was her girl getting left behind. We did a one The girl getting broken up with? The girl getting dumped. Oh, no. Friendship or, like, with a boy or being abandoned. Like, all this stuff. And it was so funny. And then I remember her being like, you would be so good at playing Rose in Dogfight. And I was like, thank you? I was like, that is the epitome of my typecast, evidently. The girl who's probably and cute and then good at making sad faces. If it helps my first couple years, my typecast was the bland one, who was like, (laughs) (laughs) like, my personality, which is not bland, but like, even temper, even, but no one wants to see that on stage, right? But, like, those were my characters where, like, the girls were, like, mm, not, not a whole lot going on. That I was like, it's not Gabriella, though. But playing Gabriella, I was, like, this is the most boring character ever. Like, well, I was, like, Ryan and Sharpay, it's got to be so fun. And, like, because I love that. Don't get me wrong. I, like, that was a dream. But then I was, like, the character of Gabriella is so boring. Because oh, she was like, nah, that written. could be 16 over pie. Like, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> that is not like her exciting. So hopefully I'm working out hopefully I'm working out of the bland and I don't think that you are it's the girl who gets broken up Because <laughs> if you ever left me <laughs> that's really rude. I can't find another friend. What are you talking about? Oh I can't no, I would never. I could not do that. You know, one of my favorite things about our friendship is, is that, like, we both know, like, we both lack some very basic knowledge about the world sometimes. Like, we just don't know things we should know, and we don't, like, judge each other for it. Like, one of us knows the answer, and it's fine. It's true. We will figure it out between one another. Because there are some people, you're like, I don't no and they just look at you like are you down and you're like no I just am a selective learner that's true or things people just never mention to you in your yeah. life like that there's a difference between normal gas and diesel no one told me that <laughs> I love that I don't know the hard way that's okay oh no <laughs> the difference is the question like I know there is a difference I just don't know what the difference is the difference is it's meant to diesel is meant for bigger cars like like it's bigger cars are built different or something (laughs) so that it turns out I don't even know that I just know if you put it the wrong one in your car your car will blow out black smoke (laughs) and that's not good so and they were like, scary. Maggie, did you never learn? And I was like, I did online driver's oh, ed. They never told me which button to push. <laughs> they never tell you in the tutorials. That's okay. I love 
love that. I love that so much. Okay. Who do okay. we have anybody left on our list? Yes. We have Patrick Page, who I think he's like the great Madeline described as the base villain, base B A S S. Because <laughs> that man's got, ooh, his voice so good, which is so fun. Because I remember I was trying to find it the other day. He had a post on Instagram where he was like, I never thought that I would be, he's like, I never considered myself a singer. I considered myself an actor who could like get through songs. And that was fine because he did Scar in The Lion King. He did Lumiere in Beauty and the Beast. And he's like, I just figured like I can get through stuff. But then he did Hunchback in Notre Dame, Notre Dame, my boss. Um, and they were like, there's going to be a big choir behind you. And you get did this you say Notre Dame? Show. I said Dame. Oh, I said like like, Dome. And I was like, oh. Dome. But then he's like, I had to do this whole performance. And it was terrifying to me because I am not a singer. But he did it, and he did a great job, you know, and it opened up all these doors for him. And so now he's doing, he was doing, before the shutdown, um, Hades in Hades Town. Once again, is this deep, intense villain. So cool. Yeah. It's so cool. And also, very specific typecast. It's just so funny. Did we say he played Green Goblin in? No, we didn't. Spider-Man Into the Dark. Oh. <laughs> What a show. What what a show. So oh, so I always thought there was like a horrible accident where like lots of people like got severely injured, but only one guy got injured super badly. But also there was Other one girl got like minor injuries. Yeah. On like opening night, I think the lead lady who played Arachne, she like hit her head really hard or something. And so there was like a pause, like they had to hold. Oh my goodness. So like it was just continual bad stuff. Or then Spider Man's would like get stuck in the air and they'd have to stop the show for twenty minutes to get them down. Do you like, think you know, like, in good, like hundreds of years from now people will avoid say, saying Spider Man on stage the way they avoid saying Macbeth? I love that. I hope so. I hope that would be so much better than Macbeth. Spider-Man. What would you call Spider-Man Into the Dark? Because uh, they call Macbeth like the Scottish play. You would call it the failed Broadway musical. The failed Broadway musical. I'm trying to think. Is there like um, uh, arachnophobia? (sighs) Arachnophobia. I like that. I hope so. That'd be good. That'd be so funny. I love that. Ooh, Madeline, do you want to talk about Krista Rodriguez? Krista Rodriguez. Okay. Lesser known, slightly lesser known. She's really cool. She's not super mainstream, but she's done a lot of fun projects. She, according to podcast, because these are the roles I know her for, um, she was in First Date with Zachary Levi. Uh, She was Meg in Hercules. And was it City Center? What was it? Oh. It was in a park. It was in a park. It was outside. It was um, like New York Park. It was the <laughs> one that's usually just made up of, I almost said civilians, as if the Broadway actors were like soldiers or something. Um, 
people who aren't professional Broadway actors, it, those are usually who play the roles. Um, but this show they had Jelani, is it Aladdin? I think it's Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had what's his face play Hades. A oh, Roger Bart. Roger Bart. Who, who was the original singing voice for Hercules. And they had Krista Rodriguez play Meg, who's like a pretty significant Broadway force. Yeah. Yes. And she plays these sassy, kind of emotionally unavailable, really funny characters. Um, she played one of the best friend in season two of Smash, where she played the diva which was a sassy, withdrawn powerhouse for a character. If I were a boy. I hated that song when she sang it, but she did it. Even just for a day. Uh, that was the first time I'd heard that song. <laughs> like, what Same. is this? Not a fan. Um, just because of how she sings it. It's really funny. Oh. She's drunk. She's standing on the bar. She's kicking things over. And she's just like dramatically, quote unquote, auditioning for this role of the diva, she just keeps getting cast into these roles. And it's really cool. And I like the roles. But she definitely is the sassy, stubborn. Sometimes she's the leading lady. Sometimes she's the best friend. It just depends on the show. But her personality stays virtually the same. Yes. So next, I want to talk about a couple chameleons which basically means they will play anything and it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the first one I want to talk about, lesser known, but in the early 2000s, she literally did every role. And this is Sherry Renee Scott. Yeah. Who doesn't do shows anymore. But she, I just pulled her up because I, like her list of shows she did is very impressive. She did the last five years, the first production of that ever. She was Kathy. She was, um, the lead in the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels musical. She was the replacement for Maureen in Rent. Oh my gosh. She was Ursula in Little Mermaid on Broadway. <laughs> she was the lead in Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Oh, that's a fun played, show. Right. She wrote, she did her own musical about her life on Broadway and was herself. And then she just like leveled up and decided to not do Broadway <laughs> and just left theater. But like early 2000s, she did everything. She did, oh, she was one of the leads in Aida, Am, Amneris, Amneris, I don't, I haven't listened to that one enough, but she's the one who sings My Strongest Suit, which is also very yeah. sassy. So she does these sassy characters, these sad ones, these Sweet crazy ones. ones, Disney villain, like everywhere. And it worked, which is so interesting to me. Yeah. I love that because... I think the problem comes when people accept roles that are so similar, like a few times in a row, then seeing them in anything else makes it feel like it's just that role being mm-hmm. stuck into the, like a place it doesn't belong. And so when you take these different roles early on in your career, I say like I'm knowledgeable, um, <laughs> but when they take those risks and they take those different roles, it makes them more dynamic and makes them easier to cast in different things. Who was your other chameleon? Oh, Jessie Mueller. Agreed. She's great. Because she did. She, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're good. She did On a Clear Day. 
you can see forever yeah with harry connick jr which is like super jazzy and then she did beautiful carol king she did carousel waitress she did oh in dc she did the music man my sister got to see that with her and norm lewis so jealous oh very upset oh yes she's amazing and she has her vocal range is insane crazy I think that's also part of why people get typecast is because of their vocal type. And so when you have an easily flexible voice, I think it makes it easier to not get typecast. Agreed. And she just does it so well that no matter what she does, you're like, oh yeah, like that's the character. No doubt. Yeah. That's Cause she did like the poppy belty um, in Waitress and she did like a gritty kind of voice, like a raspy thing in Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she did this beautiful Rodgers and Hammerstein operatic-ish, more of a classical um, feel to it. And so it's just, and she did it all so well. She got a Tony nomination for everything that she did. Literally, it was so fun. 2012 to 2018, she would get a Tony nomination every two years. 2012 was on a clear day. 2014 was beautiful. 2016 was waitress. 2018 was carousel. And I was like, crank them out, Jesse. Right. Oh my gosh. 2018. Did she do anything in 2018? Carousel. Was she doing carousel? Oh, carousel in 2018. And then 2020 would have been the next. She was supposed to be in a play with Army Hammer, Rip the Cannibal. True. But I think as far as typecasting go, that's all that we have today. Yes. Let us know if you think we missed anyone. I'm sure we did. Tune in next time where we'll be talking about something, but we don't know what it is yet because you don't plan that far ahead. But till then, you party hard. Party hard. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for joining us, you guys. Have a great day.